How is everyone doing today? Good. It's good to see all these smiling faces out here. You guys must be having a good start to your day, huh? Great. I'm glad to hear that. We're going to be in the book of Philippians. We're officially halfway through the book, and we're in chapter 3 today. Before we jump into the text, I just wanted to uh, welcome all of our guests. We're so glad you're here. You know, just a little word to our guests. Our church is a very loving family, so much. I've got to give you a few highlights. Yesterday, I had a ragtag crew of men show up at my house, and they heard the lawn mowing story last week, so they decided, we're going to help you with your deck. So uh, the six of us uh, stained this uh, deck, and it took us a while, but we got it done. So special thanks to all the men. And this church is just a very loving church for someone to show up 9 o'clock in the morning at your house. That's love right there, right? <laughs> Most of us are still just getting out of bed. So, But I want to thank you guys. Um, I just got back from Atlanta. I, for those of you who don't know, I was in Atlanta for school trying to uh, get this doctorate uh, knocked out one class at a time. So um, it was an interesting class. Uh, a few highlights many of you have asked me about it. Um, there were... I go to Columbia International, and it's uh, multiple, multiple denominations that come, and it, it gives an interesting perspective. In my class, I had a, um, an African-American United Methodist, and uh, she was on fire. She, she had retired, and she said, I may retire, but now I'm refiring, and she was just like really fired up, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> well, give me a little bit of that fire, and um, we had a person from the Christian Missionary Alliance Church. He was a, like a denominational director. We had a guy from um, the Wesleyan kind of holiness movement tradition. And just all different, all different walks of life. We had a lady from China. She was a missionary and had 100 orphans that she took care of. And the professor was a Southern Baptist. So we had a, a, a big diverse. But one thing I learned was that Jesus is greater than all of our denominational differences. Amen. So many times we like to lift up a denominational name, but I think the only name that's worthy to be praised and lifted up is the name of Jesus. Amen. So I'm starting to see a very positive trend, even among churches. We have our belief systems, but the differences that divide us are small compared to the things that unite us. And Arden First Baptist, we are a Baptist church, but we're going to focus on the things that unite us and the gospel and the beauty of that. Um, the second thing I learned is we, we, we took all these personality tests. Any of you ever done personality tests like Myers-Briggs or how, how good is your EQ? Anybody ever taken an EQ test? It's an emotional intelligence test. <laughs> you can get a little emotional taking it, all the questions they ask you. But uh, one of the things that was brought up is all of us has, have weaknesses and strengths. But aren't you glad that Jesus is greater than your greatest weakness or your greatest strength? So if you haven't got an idea of the tone today. The message is called Jesus is Greater. And we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. And a little background for those of you just joining us. We've been covering the first two chapters of Philippians. Chapter 1, Paul talks about he who has begun a good work will do what? He'll complete it. And you guys are a work in progress. You're not just a human being. You're human becoming. You're becoming more and more like Jesus. Chapter 2 we have this really challenging thing in chapter 2. It says, Let not every man or woman look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then gave the example of Christ. That even though he was the eternal Son of God, he didn't cling on to his rights. He was willing to lay his rights aside and become a humble servant so that you and I 
could receive forgiveness and eternal life. And here we pick up in chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write these same things to you is not tedious, but to you it is safe. You notice how Paul's starting with encouragement. He kind of uses a sandwich method. You ever seen that encouragement? Here's a little challenge and here's a little encouragement. So let's see what he says. Beware of dogs. (laughs) What is a dog? We're going to talk about that. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Jesus Christ, and have no confidence in the flesh, though I may have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. In verse 5 and following, he lays out the perfect pedigree for a Jewish mouth. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But those things that were gained to me, these I have counted as loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. If you have old King James, it says as dung, that I may gain Christ. And it says that to be found in him, I love that phrase, to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Now listen to his declaration in verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Father, we, we thank you for your word. We ask and pray that you would bless your word. And as we discuss these 11 verses in Philippians 3, help us to realize that Jesus is greater And the greater Jesus is in our life, the greater our life will be. So, Father, bless your word, and we pray your blessing to be upon it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater, number one, than all those who oppose me. You ever had enemies in your life? Anybody ever had someone come against you? How does that feel? In Paul's day, his enemies were a little different than a lot of ours. For you, your enemy may be at work. Um, Your boss may get under your skin. If your boss is here today, don't look at him or her. Um, Sometimes they can be in your own family. You know, we have the holidays coming up, and some of you know that family get-togethers become sometimes drama central, right? Um, Enemies abound everywhere. But what Paul was dealing with is legalists. These were the Judaizers. These were the people that taught, in order to be right with God, it's Jesus plus something else. And what Paul taught is, it's Jesus alone. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus alone. And I was reading a story of legalism in the early 1900s, and you guys are going to laugh at this story, but um, anybody ever heard of Donald Barnhouse? He was a famous pastor in the early 1900s, Donald Gray Barnhouse. Anyways, it was in 1928, he was leading this Bible conference for a lot of young adults and teenagers in a place called Montrose, Pennsylvania. There was about 200 young people there, and there was a few older people that came. And some of the older ladies came up to Pastor Donald and said, you know what, these young ladies are not wearing stockings. 
And pastor, you need to rebuke these young ladies because it is only proper that women wear stockings. And Donald looked at him and said, ma'am, you know the Virgin Mary never wore stockings. And she said, she didn't? He said, yes, uh, to the best we know, stockings were invented in Italy. We see it in the 15th century. They were worn by prostitutes in Italy during the time of the Renaissance. That's the first case in history we have of stockings. So what these ladies thought were sanctified and holy were actually made popular by prostitutes. So isn't it interesting today we have our own legalistic things we hold on to, but when you search scripture, they're nowhere to be found. I mean, we could go on and on. Sometimes in our culture, music styles. And uh, I've been in churches where music becomes an issue. And when you research, like we can only sing this, this type of music. Well, do you realize that type of music used to be a bar tune back in its day? And you think it's, you know, and it's, we have our pet things that we want to hold on to. And what Paul would say is Jesus is greater than any of that. Jesus is greater than anything that may oppose you. Now, here, here's a secret about enemies. If you've ever had anyone oppose you in your life, and in Paul's case, he was doing God's will, and these Judaizers that taught, okay, Paul, your gospel is great, but you've got to add works to it. These Judaizers came to him. Here's what we can learn from Paul's example. Here's what we can learn throughout the whole Bible. Did you realize an enemy, if you're doing God's will as the caveat, an enemy can actually be a promotion in disguise. Sometimes enemies are kind of like the gravitational force on an airplane. It's meant to pull you down, but what's meant to pull you down will eventually become your liftoff. What's meant to hold you back will eventually catapult you into something ahead. And we see that in the life of Joseph. He, by all people in the Old Testament, probably the greatest example. You guys remember what happened to him when he was 17? He had these great visions and dreams that God was going to do something great in his life. And all of a sudden, his brothers didn't like it, and he finds himself in a pit. And they were going to kill him, and then they're going to leave him. They didn't know if they're going to leave him for dead, but eventually they sold him off to some as a slave. And you can imagine, my great dreams are now Dash, I'm a slave. So he got betrayed. And all of a sudden he finds himself in Potiphar's house. And because God is with him, he gets promoted. And he finds himself in second command under Potiphar. But then all of a sudden he gets betrayed again by Potiphar's wife. And what happens? He ends up in prison. And he feels like he's left alone. And has God forgotten that? He, he doesn't know, but he has faith. I'm sure he wrestled with doubts, as all of us do, but he had faith. And all of a sudden we see that through, through this all, those enemies actually turn into promotions. He ended up in second command of all of Egypt. So here, here's an encouragement. For those of you who face opposition anywhere in life, and you feel to the best of your ability you're doing God's will, an enemy can actually be a promotion in disguise. That's an encouraging word, Amen. So let's look at what Paul gives a warning with, with these Judaizers, verses 1 and 2. He calls them dogs. Now, I wouldn't recommend calling your enemies dogs. Um, Paul could probably get away with it. But I wouldn't advise you saying that to your coworker or someone, your family member. But in this day, a dog was a scavenger. It was very different than our domesticated dogs that you know, we pay a lot of money for and have all these show pet dogs. These dogs were considered scavengers. And what he was saying is, these people are following me around like scavenger, barking out things that aren't true to the gospel. So he said, anyone that adds anything to the gospel, they're a distraction. 
The second thing he says is they're evil workers. It's great to be a worker for the Lord, but it's not good if you're doing bad things. And these people thought that they were doing great things. These people thought that they were serving God, but yet they were adding things to the gospel. They were taken away. Anytime you add anything to salvation, it's a distortion of the gospel. Salvation is by faith alone, in Christ alone, not by works. If you add anything to the gospel, it becomes a distortion. He says they were the mutilation. In other words, they they were looking at the Old Testament rite of circumcision, and it became simply an act of of, of the flesh, of cutting. And they they became about rules and rituals and not the real meaning behind it. And Paul said, listen, that's not what it's about. It's really the heart that counts. And so many of our churches today, we get caught up in the rules and regulations but if our heart is not where it needs to be with God, then it's, it's the same, same action. It brings me back to a story in my high school days. I, um, I went to this chapel service, and as a, an impressionable 16-year-old kid, this service scared me to death. You know, you think a chapel service would be good, but this guy had this big black cauldron right there on the stage. And his title was, There's Sin in the Pot. And I'm just like, what kind of message is this? And he would reach into this big black witch's cauldron pot and he would bring out, here's a Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. There's sin in the pot. And he would bring it out and, 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 and I'm still to this day like just, it haunts me. But he, here, here was the weird thing. This guy brought out a Bible and it wasn't the King James, it was the NIV Bible and he said, I would open this up but the demons of hell would come out. There's sin in the pot. And I was just like, this guy is out there. Looking back on that, it made me think of the Judaizers where they were trying to add things that weren't in the Bible. Rules and regulations and restrictions that aren't found in the Bible, just human tradition. And um, many of you have had experiences like that in church where you got hurt because of legalism. And um, I'm sorry. And I think Paul would say, listen, that's not the gospel. That's not the true meaning of Scripture. So I want you to think about it like this. God's grace is not earned or deserved. Salvation is placing your faith in Jesus Christ alone plus nothing else. Amen. So Jesus is greater. Number two, Jesus is greater than all my greatest accomplishments or my worst mistakes. Now many of you, if you laid out your pedigree like Paul, you would have a long list of achievements. Some of you, it's an academic realm. You've, you've went to school. You, you've, you've made it through. Some of you, you excelled in family life. You had a family and you raised up your kids and grandkids. Some of you, it's in the business realm. You've done well financially. All these things can be wonderful. But I want you to know that Jesus is greater than your greatest accomplishments or your worst mistakes. Look at verse 3. He says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Jesus Christ, and have no confidence in the flesh. So he's saying, listen, Here's the thing. Circumcision is spiritual. It's of the heart. You, you, you've relegated to something outward, but really God's intention was a changed heart. He says we worship God in the spirit. In other words, it's not about a bunch of rules and regulations and restrictions imposed upon you worshiping God. It's you worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And he said we have no confidence in the flesh. And Paul, of all people, could have had a lot of confidence. But he said, listen, I don't find my confidence in anything. So... A lady was arguing with her pastor one time, 
And he was trying to explain salvations by grace alone through faith. And she said, Pastor, you got it all wrong. You need to go back to seminary. You got it all wrong. She said, it's kind of like a rowboat. On one oar you have salvation. On another oar you have works. And together, the rowboat, if you do both, they'll get you to heaven. And she said, if you just have one or the other, you go around in circles. And the pastor said, well, there's one problem with your illustration. She said, what is that? He said, nobody gets to heaven in a rowboat. Your illustration doesn't work. It's by salvation through Christ alone. So if you look at Paul's accomplishments, we don't have time to go into depth, but he had ethnic pride. He says, I'm an Israelite. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, if you look at my cultural background, you'll say I have this pedigree. And that exists today. People say, look at the family I came from. You know, look at the social status I came from. Paul said, that doesn't matter. None of that. None of that matters. He was a religious elite. He was a Pharisee. And in my research and studying, I found out there could only be about 6,000 Pharisees at a time. So you think out of millions and millions of Jews, only 6,000 could be a Pharisee. So that was the religious elite. He was basically saying, I was the superstar pastor. I was the elite. But he said, none of that really matters. He said, I had passion above my peers. Have you ever heard the saying that God helps those who... Paul would say, you know what, that, that's rubbish. Because God helps those who can't help themselves. Because if you can help yourself, why do you need God? Paul said, I put no confidence in the flesh. In other words, it's not God helps those who helps themselves. That's putting confidence in the flesh. It's saying that my confidence is in Christ alone. And only He can help me. And Paul also made a lot of bad mistakes. Many of you who have read his life in that text, he said he persecuted the church. Or kind of the background, Paul was the one who kind of rounded up Christians. And many of them lost their life because of Paul. He was a murderer. And he looked back on that and said, when I look at my greatest achievements, and when I look at my worst mistakes, Jesus is greater. Aren't you glad about that? Your greatest achievements, none of those can make you acceptable in God's sight. And your worst mistakes, if you ask for forgiveness, none of those can keep you from Christ. So Jesus is greater than your greatest achievements and your worst mistakes. No matter what you've done, either good or bad, Jesus is greater. Amen? Someone say, Jesus is greater. Number three, Jesus is greater than anything I could gain or lose. Now, verse 7 and 8, I wish I could uh, explain it to you in the original language, but let me read it in English. It says, but these things that were gained to me, I've counted lost for Christ." The word gain and the word loss is an accountant term, a ledger sheet. Gain is on the plus side, loss obviously is the negative side. So he's saying the things that I thought were really good, those things actually kept me from God because they promoted self-righteousness. All the works I did, they they were great, but they couldn't save me. So the things I, I originally had in the plus column, I had to move in the loss column because they kept me from Christ. And he says, yet indeed I count all things loss for the excellence and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord. By the way, the word knowledge is not talking about a head knowledge. It's talking about experiencing Jesus. Did you realize that Christianity is something that you can experience? It's not just some head knowledge. It's not just some, some prayer you pray. But whenever a person invites Jesus into her or his life, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. And you can have a living relationship with God. Well, some of you say, well, Pastor, I've never heard the voice of God. Well, have you listened? 
Have you stopped and listened? Many of us, I confess myself, many of us are praying, but we never pause to listen. Have you ever gotten to the presence of God in stillness and allow God to speak to you? Because He does. And if you will linger long enough, you'll begin to pick up on the voice of God. He's speaking, we're just not listening. It's almost like sometimes, gentlemen, when it's Sunday, how many of you are watching the football game today? Some of you, some of you, some of you aren't. Well, there's something on my TV called the DVR, and it's, it's really helped my marriage. Because whenever my wife wants to talk to me, I just pause it. Because if I'm watching the game and I'm trying to listen to her, I can repeat everything she said to me, but she'll say something, or she'll at least think it, you're listening but you're not hearing me. And a lot of times we just don't really hear God because we're so busy. B-U-S-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you're busy, 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 and we're just going nonstop. And there's a verse in the Old Testament my dad always quoted to me, because I'm, I'm on the go all the time. Be still and know that I am God. If we're busy and on the go, it's hard to know that he's God. And Scripture tells us just to be still, take a breath, and understand that Jesus is greater. And I was reading a story about this woman. She was in a boat in the Atlantic, and all of a sudden this this storm broke out. And everyone on the boat thought that they were going to crash. It was a horrible storm. And she began to calm the children on the boat by reading Bible stories to the children. And the captain of the ship looked at her through the storm and noticed that while everybody was really freaking out, she was calm. And after they survived the storm, and they did, he came up to her and said, Ma'am, can I ask you a question? Why did you have extreme peace in the midst of the storm? Everyone else around you were worried. They were caught up in all the wind and the waves. But you had peace in the midst of the storm. And she said, Well, I appreciate you noticing that. She said, I'm a Christian, and I have a daughter that lives in New York, and I have a daughter that lives in heaven. And she said, regardless of the outcome of the storm, I knew I was going to see either my daughter in heaven or in New York, so I was okay either way. And when I read that, I was like, wow, that's peace in the midst of storm, because Jesus is greater than anything you may gain or lose. Christ is all and in all, amen? Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So if you look at things that you have to give up, many of you say, well, Timothy, if I fully surrendered to Christ, what would I have to give up? You know, it doesn't matter what you have to give up. If you compare it to knowing Jesus and having a living relationship, Paul says, when I, when I compare the two, the gain and the loss, all the things that I lost I consider as rubbish. As I mentioned, if you use the old King James, it uses the word dung. It basically means something that's just nasty that you don't even care about anymore. And I, I think that the truth is that you may have to give up some friends that you used to have. They may not want to hang out with you anymore, but you gain a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You may have to gain, give up some bad habits, but in the process you gain a new freedom and power in the Holy Spirit that you can have victory in your life. You may have to give up some selfish pursuits. I know there's been many times where it was I in the scenario and Jesus had to say, Timothy, you're being selfish. You remember the smelly fish, selfish? Many of us, the smelly fish comes out. And 
He's saying, I want you to give that up. Because whenever you give up your short, small, selfish pursuits, I'm giving you this eternal dream that lives on forever. And what you do on this side of eternity, it lasts forever. Even if you live to be 100 years old, the mortality rate is still one in one. But what you do for Christ lives on beyond your life. And it goes on forever. Amen. So someone say, Jesus is greater. Finally, He's greater because only He can give me true life. When I look at verses 9 through 11, I really love these verses. It says, being found in Him. When you're in Christ, Christ is in you. When you're in Him, it doesn't matter what happens to you, because Jesus is with you. And that's, that's been such an encouragement to people. As I talk to people, as they deal with life, as they deal with drama, and even people who are having a, a memorial service for Peggy Hart today, the thing about a Christian, when they die, they don't actually die, they get promoted. Because we, we, we know where Peggy's at. She's in heaven. We don't actually lose somebody. We just say a short-term goodbye. And I don't know about you, but that gives me excitement. i got something to live for. And I don't have to fear death anymore. Because I'm in Christ. And it says, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God and by faith. Aren't you glad that you don't have to do anything to earn or deserve God's favor? Aren't you glad Christianity is not a checklist? If you do this, God will love you. If you don't do this, God won't. There's only one work that saves a sinner. It's the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And if by faith you receive that, you're going to be okay. So look at the person next to you and say, you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. Because you're in Jesus and Jesus is in you. And I was reading a story in the 1800s. Many of you have heard of the famous preacher Charles Spurgeon in London, right? How many of you have ever heard of John Jowett? Anybody ever heard of John Jowett? Probably nobody. Well, Back in the 1800s in London, he and Spurgeon were the two most famous pastors in London. And John Jowett was just a phenomenal orator, communicator. He's the guy that you would say could preach the paints off the wall. And some American pastors went to go hear Spurgeon and Jowett. On Sunday morning, they went to go hear Jowett, and they said, Man, this guy preaches better than anyone I've ever heard. I mean, the way he communicates, wow, what a preacher. And then they went Sunday night to hear Spurgeon. And as Spurgeon was talking about how Jesus is greater and how Jesus is everything, they forgot about Spurgeon and they began to think about Jesus. And the whole group of pastors left saying, man, what a Savior. Man, how great Jesus is. And that, that's what I want to be said of our lives. People can look at you and see your accomplishments or see your mistakes. But you know, we're not the sum essence of our greatest accomplishments and we're not the sum product of our worst mistakes. If we're in Jesus and he's in us, he's greater than all of that. And to me, that's the encouragement. I'm going to live my life the best I can for the Lord. But at the end of my life, Jesus is greater than my greatest achievement or my worst mistake. And that should give you encouragement. Because some of you came in here today bearing a load of, of burden of, Timothy, if you only knew the mistakes I made, if you knew what I did last night, or whatever it may be, I would say Jesus is greater than that. And some of you come in here very successful, and that's nothing to be minimized. That's great. I say praise the Lord for that. But I would say don't let that keep you from what God has for you. You come to the cross completely naked and vulnerable. 
You come to the cross with arms open and say, God, I come with nothing, but yet I leave with everything. Whoever leaves this world and gains the world, they leave with nothing. But whoever has nothing and has Christ, they have everything. So you may not have a lot in this world, but if you have Jesus, you have everything. And you may have a lot in this world, but if you don't have Jesus from eternal perspective, you have nothing. So if you are found in Christ, I want you to look at the rest of the, rest of the verse. It says, not having my own righteousness. Paul was saying, listen, righteousness is not a workspace. It's not Jesus plus something. It's Jesus alone. And Paul, if he was here today, he'd ask you the question, have you trusted in Jesus alone? Not your works, not your good efforts, not your good deeds. It's great if you've been baptized or been in church or if you give all those great things, but none of those things save you. It's Jesus alone. And he says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. Now, here's, here's a jewel I can't glim, gleam over. I, I gotta, it's just so powerful. This is not talking about just the one-time event of Jesus' resurrection. This is talking about the ongoing power that lives in you. If you have Jesus inside of you, you have the resurrection power. So no matter what happens to you, guess what? The resurrection power lives in you. So if you have a bad day today, guess what? Resurrection power is going to lift you up. If you feel like you're sick today, guess what? No matter what happens, God's got you. Whether I stay or whether I go, the resurrection power is going to raise me up. If you feel like you can't go on because you're depressed, if you feel disillusioned, if you feel like no one understands you, guess what? The resurrection power lives in you. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead in God's timing will raise you up. Amen? Somebody say amen to that. (laughs) And it says the fellowship of his suffering. Some of you have went through a lot of suffering. Don't you feel that when you went through suffering with somebody, even a spouse or a child, you feel closer to that person because you've shared in their sufferings with them? And this is an encouragement to us that when we go through suffering, the Bible says God is near to those who are brokenhearted. So if you're going through suffering, don't use this as the time to draw away from God. Use it to be the closest to God you've ever been. And help each other in the suffering because that's going to bond you as a, as, as a body in Christ to help each other when we're suffering. And it says being conformed to his death. Paul said that he died daily. He said that we're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And here's the prize. He said that one day we're going to attain to the resurrection from the dead. So here's the thing. Whenever you and I say goodbye to this world, we're saying hello to eternity. And this world's not the end of us. Amen. When Leonardo da Vinci had finished painting his immortal painting, The Last Supper, he had asked a friend to come look at his painting. And his friend was just obviously mesmerized by the painting especially the cup of wine by, by Jesus' hand. He, he made such superlatives and accolades how beautiful the cup was. And according to the story, da Vinci said, he blotted out the cup and he said, nothing should distract one from the attention of the Lord. And as I read that, it made me think that Jesus is greater. So your take-home truth on your outline, if you'll look at it, the greater Jesus is in your life, the greater your life will be. As John the Baptist said, he must become greater, I must become less. So it's a very simple truth. If, you will, if you'll meditate on this simple truth and take it home, discuss it over dinner, the greater Jesus is in your life, the greater your life will be. Let's pray. Father.
I pray that the power of your word came forth. And as, I, as people leave today, I pray they won't say about how good or not good the preaching was or how good or not good the music was. People will leave saying how great Jesus is. God, I thank you that Jesus is greater than all our accomplishments and all our mistakes. Jesus is greater than all of our enemies. Jesus is greater than all of our setbacks. Jesus is greater than anything we could gain or lose. God, we thank you that Jesus is greater. If there be one here today that you know about Jesus, but you never had the experiential relationship where Jesus is living in you and he, he lives his life through you, the Bible says you can. The Bible says that if you'll just simply admit where you've sinned, admit your need for God and invite Jesus to come into your life, the Bible says that He will step out of heaven and into your heart through the person of the Holy Spirit. With no one looking around, just, just pray right now in your seat if you want to accept Christ. Say, Jesus, I know that you're greater and I want to trade everything in my life, the good and the bad, for a relationship with you. Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I want to have a relationship with you so that I'm, no matter what happens, good or bad, I will know Jesus is greater. I make you my Lord and Savior. And Father, for those of us who deal with putting something plus Jesus, Jesus plus something, help us to get back to the point of the cross and realize we come bringing nothing but faith. And if we come in faith, Jesus, you will fill our hands with purpose. You will fill our our lives with destiny. And you will fill our, our mouths with laughter. Thank you that Jesus is greater. God, we give all of our struggles, all our shortcomings. For some of us who struggle with legalism, we give that to you. And we realize it's faith in Christ alone. Father, we thank you that Jesus is greater. And the greater he is in our lives, the greater our lives will be. We pray in the name above all names. Jesus, we pray. All God's children said, Amen. If you guys would please stand for the closing hymn. During this time, if you guys need prayer, any of you are struggling physically and need a prayer of healing, we'd be glad to pray for you. If any of you need to receive Christ, we're here. Uh, Adam and I will be at the front, so feel free to come down.